Vince Vetrano is the host of Wisconsin's Morning News, and he is with us this afternoon. Hello, Vince. Talking about a story that I know will resonate with you because you, like me, John, are a parent of twins. Yeah, this is a fascinating story. So, uh, a hero story, yeah. Sandy, the uh, pair of twins, school age, but I can't remember if they were middle or high school, but they're... Middle school, right, I think. Middle school, right? Okay. There is a video out. Yes. There has to be surveillance footage from the cafeteria, yeah. so they do look like middle school. I think they're 12, weren't they, maybe? Sounds about 12, right, right? Yeah. So, boy-girl twins, okay, the boy is in the cafeteria at school and starts choking on a piece, no less, of string cheese, which we here in Wisconsin can appreciate. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's tricky. <laughs> Right? We, we chew it usually. Though. Yeah, right. No, so he, go right down. Slide right in. Got a little piece of string cheese stuck, and he st- you know, <coughs> starts choking. And you now you see in the video, right? He kind of stands up and like yeah. sort of looks around, like help me. And his classmates, some of them are like not having it. They they, in fairness to them, don't really know what's going on. Sure, yeah. it's very unusual. And they look nervous too. But so they yeah. start to kind of back away. No one's sure what to do. So eventually, the person who comes to his rescue, who performs the Heimlich maneuver on him and saves his life, is his twin sister. I love that. And they were on Good Morning America, and they were very funny, and they were very humble, and she was like, yeah, no big deal. I just came over, and you know, she was brother-sister with him. Because he kind of staggers over to her table right next to his table, and she... Like, seemingly doesn't miss a beat, just stands behind him and... and Gets up right away mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. helps him. Now, you would think that were she able, she or anybody else who can do the Heimlich Maneuver might have done that, or someone else would have come or whatever. But what was interesting to me as a parent of twins is not only their connection, how they sort of share... Like a sensibility? Yeah, Almost like a yes. spidey sense? A little bit of a spidey sense, and then how they just relate to each other. I have had one twin save another in a much more innocuous situation, but yeah. many times over. Now, yours are I, identical, though, the girls, yes? No, they're fraternal. Oh, they're fraternal, they're fraternal. but girl, yep, girl. Yep, yep, fraternal, but there really is a sense thing. That's mm-hmm. that's a real thing. Do you think that's a real thing? Like, it's not like they're not telepathic or right. that, but there is a connection yes and a sense like almost an between empath. the girls yeah 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 like yeah. they they can sense when something's up with the other they can they can and, my and certainly if they're in close now? proximity yeah yeah and now mine live far apart from each other and we have had a couple times where they can honest to god sense when something's wrong with the other one from halfway across the country and it kind of like freaks you out for a second it warmed my heart because i don't know if it's like this with your kids but my girls, when they were your kids' age, they got along. They were fine, but they definitely weren't best friends. Yeah, high school age. My my twins yeah. are sophomores in high school. And mine are 10 years older. Yeah. So to see this in action in a school setting where kids probably kind of want to be in their own space and, you yeah. know, I don't want to hang out with my brother over here. It was just heartwarming. That's what should happen, but to see it happen was pretty cool. I think it's a little different uh, with boy-girl twins, right? Yeah. Because you know, while they have some crossover, they're kind of doing their own thing, and there's yeah. no weird competition of this or that. You know, my kids always argue over who's the favorite, things like that. But <laughs> that's you know, natural it's mostly, sibling right, behavior. <laughs> it's mostly lighthearted and whatever. But right, so we don't have some of the same things that twins of the same gender and certainly that identicals share. A funny story on how one saved the other. They were real little, and they were in grade school. So I'm thinking like third grade or so. And my son Max was real bent out of shape because pick, uh, kickball was really catching on at lunch at lunch recess. Yep. And he didn't like kickball. 
Now, who doesn't like kickball? I, like, I mean, that's the first like? question. I mean, what, do you not like <laughs> hot dogs either? What? Even I can play kickball. So we had that conversation. But no, he liked to do his own things with his buddies there at lunch. And when kickball started you know, being something that they did at lunch, his other little buddies were going off and playing pickleball. Or, God, I keep saying pickleball. Kickball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, hey, what gives? I thought we were playing swords or whatever. <laughs> whatever they were doing, dorking around, being kids. <laughs> and no, they all went to play kickball. Well, he didn't he much care for that. So, and I actually was sad for him for a while because he would come and say, there's no one for me to play with. Like, my friends ditched. And it's not that he wasn't invited. He didn't he, want to. He didn't want to play kickball. Yep. You've met Max. He's yeah, a little, yeah, he's his own guy. Max versus the world, right? He is his own. So Max, man. as a grade schooler, like third grade, goes and apparently... Grabs the kickball during the kickball game, plops his butt down on the pitcher's mound, and doesn't move. Wow. <laughs> and then later begins declaring, protest, protest. Oh, my God. Oh, he's yelling. Oh First of all, I'm like, where do you get this? Yeah. Third grade, where do you get wow. this idea? <laughs> well, the kids couldn't talk him down. And Max is not, you know, he's not, not, not liked. Like, it's fine. Like, nobody was trying to bully him, whatever. But, hey, kid, what gives? Like, we're playing kickball here. Play or don't play. So their solution was eventually they went and got his sister. Wow. They went and found Olivia and said, hey, your brother's losing his mind here. You better come, like, come get him. That's a great story. <laughs> she was she able did? to talk him down. She did. Yeah, like got him out of there. Kickball resumed. Great Max story. Sitting cross-legged, holding the ball, right, yes. hugging the ball. I just picture her like lifting him up. All like, right, come on, buddy. I got this. We're gonna move him yeah. off. <laughs> so one of the toughest moments for our girls was also sports-related. They were both high-level soccer players, and we knew this would happen eventually. There came the year where one of them made the select traveling team and the other one didn't, mm. and so Amy <laughs> did not make the team, and so we were worried for Amy. Like, God, this is devastating. This is going to be upset. You know, you find out who makes the team. She didn't even know yet. And we were worried how Amy would take that. Kiera took it harder than Amy. Yep. Kiera was so worried about how Amy would take it. And Kiera said, maybe I shouldn't play. And I can't believe Amy didn't make it. And so, you know, we talked through all that. And Kiera did play. And it was a great lesson for Amy. But to see that empathy when one twin, and this happens with other siblings too, what she was so hurt about her sister that she had a hard time enjoying that she had a victory that she made the team it's a crazy magical connection and it seems like it just happens like that because this video that you both saw and resonated and i just watched it the sister gets behind her brother just doesn't even seem to think about it and and has no heimlich maneuver training right knew just enough she just automatically got up as the other kids stood there and didn't do anything because they were afraid well, and they were casual enough about it after the fact on Good Morning America, <laughs> where I think she said to him, like, you're welcome. And he oh, goes, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, and thanks. And they both smiled By the way, you're welcome. Vince Vetrano is the host of Protest! Wisconsin's Morning Protest! News. Thanks, Bill. See ya. All right, you got it. Always good to catch up with Vince. It is 424 at WTMJ. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Travel Secretary Ann Sayers is with us on Wisconsin's Afternoon News, sponsored by TravelWisconsin.com. And thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're going to talk quintessential Wisconsin, but first I wanted to ask you about our football team and something really cool happened at Lambeau Field. I know you guys put out a statement earlier this week on the NFL draft coming to Lambeau. How big a deal is this? How cool is this? Isn't it just absolutely amazing? Yeah. Green 
Green Bay is the smallest city to ever host a draft, and we are going to make it the best ever. You know we will. This is We were made for this. We have always been a huge sports state. It's a huge sports town, and the world is going to love learning about what we have to offer. And this is hot on the heels of Green Bay being rated the number one place to live on U.S. News & World Report just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Green Bay is having a moment this week, and Simone Biles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there is uh, another place to celebrate as well in our fine state, the grandeur and history of our Wisconsin state capitol. Yeah, you know, Wisconsin's celebrating its 175th anniversary of statehood this week, and so it's just a... Today's an opportunity to talk about some quintessential Wisconsin things. I think we have a really fun set of ideas here for you. Starting with the Wisconsin State Capitol itself, you know, it's an eye-catching structure. It's full of grandeur, history, and beauty. It's really one of the best ways to appreciate it is by taking that tour. And so many people who live here haven't taken that tour. So you got to do it. There's free tours. They're offered daily. So no matter when you make the visit, you'll have a chance to learn all the ins and outs. The tour guides are so full of knowledge, fun facts, tons of enthusiasm, the dome on the, the Granite Capitol actually opened in 1917, so you'll get to take a close look at that. Plan on a 45- to 55-minute tour. If you visit in the summer months, you can actually go up on the sixth floor for a free museum and an outside observation deck with the most spectacular views of Madison. And, you know, time your trip right, so you can also take in maybe the Dane County Farmer's Market on Saturdays, concerts on the Square Series on Wednesdays, or Art Fair on the Square in July. That sounds like so much fun, and you spent a lot of time there. You could lead these tours. I'm going on the Ann oh, Sayers tour. I love that. Hit me up. <laughs> I want to ask you about the logging industry in Wisconsin. This is a proud part of our heritage. It really is. It was so important, the development of northern Wisconsin back in the 19th century. And at the Wisconsin Logging Museum, that's in Eau Claire, you'll learn about the history of the industry and explore an authentic reproduction of an 1890s logging camp. The museum is open from June to September on Thursdays through Sundays. And you can either take a self-guided tour of the museum or join one of the guided tours. And for a modern comparison on how far logging equipment has advanced, you can visit the Eau Claire, um, in, visit Eau Claire in August for the U.S. Open Chainsaw Sculpture Championship. The event is hosted at the Wisconsin Logging Museum and features international competitors using chainsaws to turn rough logs into the most unbelievable artwork. And this year, the championship is happening August 10th through the 13th. Fun with power tools. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's amazing what they can do. And Eau Claire isn't too far away. No, again, yeah, get on up to Eau Claire. What about, tell us about Old World Wisconsin. Yes, so you can journey through time at Old World Wisconsin. This is a 600-acre site in Eagle. It's full of family fun. Visitors get to be immersed in the sights, sounds, the flavors of the past in hands-on, interactive ways. More than 60 authentically restored homes, farms, and shops set the scene for life in Wisconsin from the 1840s through the 1910s. And you can, like, live out the daily routines of the past. You can stoke the fire at the blacksmith. You can try on wooden clogs. You can pick veggies and eggs. You can race high-wheel bicycles, which sounds really fun. <laughs> and then now there's the brew house, and that's one of their newer experiences. Visitors learn on-site um, from the brewers about the steps and process of early beer making. And that includes opportunities to get hands-on. They have authentic recipes made with the ingredients that are grown just outside the building. And it gives adult visitors, of course, a taste of the past. Mm -hmm. I love it. Travel Secretary Ann Sayers. For more information, check out TravelWisconsin.com. Always good to have you. Thank you so much, Ann. Thank you. When I was a little girl, I had a break of two.
Tim Sheehy is the president and CEO of the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce. Tim, thank you for joining us in the studio. Good to be with you, Anthony. Tina Turner, before we came on the air, it was announced that she had passed away at the age of 83 years old. I've been out of the spotlight for a couple of years. I understand you've seen Tina Turner in concert a couple times. She was simply the best, better than all the rest. As the lines from her song said, she was a fantastic singer, a great entertainer. Um, you know, I love her theme, her uh, theme song to Thunderdome. Yeah. I mean, and just, she acted just, in that too. Yeah, she was so good and, and just going to be so missed. So for someone who never saw her, explain to me what it was about her show that was so special. The, the charisma. You know, she had a personality. She had a beautiful voice. I love the lyrics to her songs, and she could move. Yeah. That's was, a whole package there. Yeah. She was a strong woman who was an excellent performer in her younger years and then hit her stride in her 40s and never stopped. No. No. She was a treat to see. Yeah. Pretty pretty amazing stuff. And as we have you in the studio to talk about the economics of our fine region, I, I think a lot of us still remember Milwaukee in the heyday of manufacturing and we feel like though that time has gone, but there's some new news about manufacturing here in our region. Yeah, I think the message, we just finished a state of manufacturing report for southeastern Wisconsin or Metro Milwaukee. And I think the punchline out of that, since we're in the middle of baseball season, is manufacturing has always been our fastball and it's still our fastball. It accounts for more jobs than any other employer outside of healthcare. But the really the thing that stands out for Milwaukee and why I say it's our fastball, if you look at the top 50 metros in the United States, Milwaukee has the second largest concentration of manufacturing of any metro area wow. in the United States, except for San Jose. So it's a big employer here, about 112,000 jobs. Those jobs pay an average of 73000 a year. And just like a good pitcher, we don't want to lose our fastball. So we're looking for things that we can do to make sure that manufacturing stays vibrant here in, in Metro Milwaukee. So we talk about job loss, job security. Of course, jobs themselves are important, but for companies themselves, productivity is important. How's productivity? Yeah, productivity. Well, employment's gone down um, over you know, the last 20 years in the manufacturing sector, actually from 164,000 to 112,000. Productivity has gone up. I think it's about 128,000 a worker right now. So even though we've lost jobs, we still are number two in the United States, and productivity is going up. So this is still a very vibrant place to make a product and ship it across the United States or across the world. Tim Sheehy is the president of the MMAC here in Milwaukee. You may use the baseball analogy. Let me ask you a baseball question. The jock tax is once again being talked about as maybe a way to fund improvements needed at the ballpark. First off, it doesn't seem like it generates enough money, but what is your opinion on the jock tax as an option? Yeah, so if you look at the baseball stadium, Amfam Field, the the taxpayers own it, right? We paid for it, yep. we built it, we own the majority of that stadium. But I think what people don't recognize is if you look at the income taxes from the players that come here to play, the income taxes for the payroll that's here, the front office, let's call it that, and the sales tax... Uh, baseball, Major League Baseball generates about $25 million a year in tax revenue for the state of Wisconsin. So if we use the governor's $290 million, and if that were to happen, we would pay that back in 10 years. Um, and so if the brewers sign a long-term lease and we put money up front, the tax alone 
would pay it back in 10 years and probably faster because major league salaries double, I think, every seven or eight years. Feels like, yeah. So it's a, it's a good investment that would be paid back with tax revenue that we'll lose if we don't have major league baseball. Okay. So the plan is not we'll use that as we collect it. It's let's take the money from the surplus or some other bucket and then pay it back moving forward from the collected tax. Yeah, or the way to look at it is whatever we put in is going to get paid back through this tax revenue. Yeah. And if we don't have a team, we don't have the tax revenue. That's the kind of simple math behind it. So while the stadium is not part of the shared revenue and budget mm-hmm. that's been all the talk, uh, what is the latest from Madison on the status of that? So so here, last time we talked, it had just passed the assembly, yeah. and I'm talking about the shared revenue and the ability to give Milwaukee a sales tax. It just passed the assembly. There was a hearing yesterday in the Senate, and I expect in the ensuing weeks following Memorial Day that the Senate will take it up. And the big difference right now is that the Senate seems to be saying that we that they'll pass it without a referendum, and I think they seem to be holding firm on we would like a majority vote. The Assembly passed the bill saying either a referendum or a unanimous vote of the County Board or Common Council. Um, and so, as we like to say, unanimous is a really difficult hurdle. When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, we couldn't even get a unanimous vote to declare war with Japan. Yep. So we're hopeful that there's a discussion between the Senate and the Assembly that comes to what I would call a more reasonable uh, way to enact the sales tax through a majority vote of the con- con- Common Council, the County Board, with a signature from the Mayor and the County Exec. Which chamber do you believe is more likely to make a substantial compromise? Well, I think they're both going to have to, um, and and that's part of the process because uh, the the assembly has kind of put their stake in the ground. From what I understand from the Senate, um, there's going to be a disagreement over the enabling action, how the sales tax gets enabled, and then of course we have the governor. So right now, the governor and the Senate are saying we'd like enabling. Uh, we'd like enabling legislation for the sales tax that doesn't require the high hurdle of either a referendum or a unanimous vote. So that's what's going to have to get worked out over the next couple weeks. Robin Voss doesn't like to work things like that out, though. Does it make you nervous? No, he's a tough negotiator. Um, He's principled. uh, And I'm hopeful that on the other side of that, we're going to recognize that we can't kick this can down the road any further with Milwaukee's fiscal crisis, the next kick is off a cliff, and nobody wants that to happen. And it would be monumental to get this sales tax in place to help solve Milwaukee's fiscal problems, while also at the same time putting the Common Council, County Board, and the Mayor and County Exec on record in support of a sales tax increase. We don't have much time, but I want to ask you quickly about the deconstruction of 794. There's discussion about part of that big freeway coming down. What do we need to think about when we think about that issue? So we need to think about the value of the land underneath. We need to think about, and you saw this week, um, South Milwaukee very concerned about access um, over the Hone Bridge to South Milwaukee. And we need to think about if we take it down, do we just create a massive parking lot for people that are going to be coming down that ramp and now are on a surface street? So there's a lot to think about before a decision's made. Tim, what's your good news of the week? <laughs> My good news of the week is 55 minutes ago, uh, Microsoft signed off on the agreement to purchase the 315 acres. Um, in Mount Pleasant to put a billion-dollar investment 
um, in a computing center. So that's huge news for property taxpayers in Mount Pleasant and great news for Wisconsin as Microsoft kind of inks that deal. I like that. Not just good news. That is great news. <laughs> great news. Tim Sheehy, the guy in charge of the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce. Always great perspective. Tim, thank you. Thank you for having me.